Good morning. I'm Julian Andrews. I'm the Managing Director of Deterra Royalties. We're a, a royalty investment company that's listed on ASX. Um, we have some interesting assets um, based here in Australia, and in particular, we can provide exposure to, to iron ore in perhaps a way that, that other companies can't. Well, good morning. Well, good afternoon to you. <laughs> good morning in my case. Um, thanks for coming on the show. We're not matter of spoken before, so I'm really keen to understand the uh, the, the setup there. Um, I say uh, a non-precious metal oil company is a, is a rare thing indeed. Um, but I tell you what, Julian, if you don't mind, can you sort of kick off, give us a bit of your background? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I've been here at, at Terra since we were formed about 18 months ago. Um, my, my background is in, in the finance space and, and prior to working here at uh, here at Deterra, I'd worked for Aluka Resources, which is our, our parent company from which we were we were spun out, really with a focus in, at Aluka in um, strategy and, and business planning. And prior to that, I'd worked primarily in the M&A space in, in corporate roles and and initially in, in some project finance opportunities in, in the United States. Okay, fantastic. And why, why the spinner? Um... Yeah, that's, that's, that's a bit sort of intrigued me about this initially. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, yeah, as you, as you know, we, we were spun out from Aluka about 18 months ago. Um, we were spun out really as a collection of royalty assets and, and, and a business with a mandate to, to build a broader business. But essentially, um, you know, our story is one that, that's probably not that uncommon in, in, in the sector. Um, Aluka had over time collected a um, sort of accumulated a collection of, of royalty assets that were non-core to them that you know, weren't really. You know, Aluka is a mineral sands operator, um, and they had they had some sort of uh, some royalties that they'd collected really through legacy activities over time. And I think there was a recognition that there was an opportunity to spin the business out um, as a pure play vehicle in, in the space and really give investors um, a very clear line of sight to to the assets that were involved, as well as establish a company that was going to be able to, to build on the foundation of those assets. Right. So, um, so if I just focus on the management team just for a, a little bit longer, I, I get this of sure. where, where, the, where the royalties have come from, but in terms of um, your ability or the team's ability to identify like future royalty opportunities. I mean, what's the royalty transaction experience in the team? So we have a, you know, as, as you'd understand in the space, we're, we're fairly typical in having a, a relatively small team. Obviously, we have no no operations. Um, we, we're taking financial interests. And, you know, we really have two two main focuses of the team. And, and one is about stewardship of the assets. So there's all the, the activity that goes along with being a listed entity. But the, the area where we're spending most of our time um, and is really the area of focus is in that growth space. So as, as, you, as you say, it's about identifying these opportunities, evaluating them, and then acting on them as appropriate. So, you know, the core skill set we've really brought into the team is really around the, in that, that business development, as we call it. So the identification of opportunities and the evaluation of opportunities. So we have a team that, that has sort of a strong technical base, as you'd expect, whether they be in the you know, trained geologists or mining engineers or the like, that are really able to take a very clear view on on where we see value in some of these opportunities. Right. So, and we'll get onto the kind of profile of, of the assets, the type of assets that you'd you'd be diligencing in a, in a second. But what's the kind of split between that that DD internal versus external? I mean, what is the size of the team? So we have um, we have eight people in the team at the moment, um, and I think that you know one of one of the important skills is to be able to to do the uh, a certain level of diligence ourselves. So you know, typically we we set the team up so that we can 
evaluate opportunities at a desktop level fairly effectively internally. As we get further into that, that diligence exercise, we do look to, to leverage external expertise. So we'll be looking to get um, you know, external experts help us with with particular opportunities and you know as you'd appreciate that that's really a, a function of the size of the team and you know a desire to keep our our corporate overheads at a at as low a level as we can um, when we have a, a fairly broad investment mandate both in terms of commodities and, and geographies as as you'd expect um, you know it, it's not efficient to, to maintain a deep level of expertise in every one of those possible opportunities that we might see um, at, at some point in the future. So, you know, we're structured so that we can leverage that that, that external expertise as we need to. Okay, and so how many, how many deals have you done since um, you, because obviously uh, Aluka kind of rolled, you know, spun out, you spun out of Aluka, um, you had some assets there. Have you done any new transactions since that point? No, so we, we, we've been, you know, we were spun out about 18 months ago. We've been very active at, at looking at opportunities and, you know, we've seen some interesting opportunities that we've taken to, to a fairly advanced level, we've, we've been participating in, in sort of pursuing those opportunities. We haven't we haven't executed on anything to date in that that inorganic space, and that's really just a function of um, finding the right opportunity at the right price that's going to deliver value for our shareholders at the right price. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, but you know, I think I, I don't think it's, it's it's controversial to say that certainly where markets are at the moment, you know, value is a little harder to find. Than perhaps it has been been at other times. So, you know, it's really important to us that we we maintain our discipline and really ensure that when we do we do invest, we're going to do so in a way that's going to add value. And so, I mean, looking at your M and A background versus obviously um, the diligence required on on royalties. I mean, do you find that is is there a difference? Do you find that there's a slightly different art in terms of doing diligence for royalties versus just maybe an M and A transaction? Yeah, certainly. And I mean, on, on a number of different levels. So, you know, at, at one level, um, you know, when we think about the pipelines of opportunities, we see that clearly, you know, we, we talk about primary markets and secondary markets. So primary markets is really where we're looking at writing new instruments. And in those cases, we are we are very much acting as a source of funds. Um, and, and so the what's, you know, in a way that's, that's more akin to a project finance type type approach. But what's really critical in that case, as you'd, you'd expect, is really understanding the nature of the project and the deposit in particular. And then there's a secondary space where, um, you know, we're looking at uh, whether existing royalties that maybe are coming coming to market, you know, there's a fairly active market in trading existing royalties. That perhaps is a little more akin to, to an M&A type opportunity. But, you know, to be clear for both of them, when you think about what really drives value in a royalty or a stream, it's about understanding the deposit. What's the prospectivity of that that deposit for um, extension or expansion? Because as a royalty holder, effectively, you know you, you participate in that at no cost. So that that technical knowledge is really critical in terms of understanding what what's in the ground. Because at the end of the day, that that's what's going to drive value. So if if I, if we look at what's going on in the market at the moment, obviously you know. People have been talking about inflation for about the last you know twelve months or so. You know, supply disruptions for the last eighteen months. Um, you've got commodity prices going through the roof. You've got um, well, maybe not so much in the in the case of royalties, but it's definitely in terms of equities for mining companies. Um, there's been a divergence between commodity price and, and share price. How, has that changed the the 
the nature of the, 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 the well, the, the kind of form, normally formulaic approach to evaluating an asset and whether you go in there. Has that, has that hindered you in terms of getting deals across the line? It was people's expectations because commodity prices expected to continue to rise? I mean, wh- wh- why, why has it been hard to get a deal over the line in the last 18 months? Yeah, I, I think perhaps just to, to sort of address the, the comment about um, sort of the, the nature of inflation and how that's impacting on on, on our view of, of opportunities. I think you know, it's a really important point that, that you make. And you know, when we're looking at um, participating with a royalty, you know, generally you're sitting quite a bit higher up that, that P&L statement. So you know, particularly if you're looking at a, a revenue-based royalty, you know, your returns are really driven by volume and pricing. You, you don't have that same exposure to operating margins. So you know, it's really important to understand that we can offer a qualitatively different exposure to, to mining operations than, than you get through investing directly through straight equity in an operator, where you do have that, that operating margin um, does drive returns. Not only that, but also CapEx requirements, you know, all the rest, all these other ways, you know, calls on cash. We, we, don't, we don't have that. That issue so that that drives a different perspective as well in terms of from a due diligence um, a due diligence uh, perspective as well because we're, we're much more focused on what's driving that top line perhaps and what's driving the bottom line to, to, to come back to your, your question really about um, you know the impact of commodity pricing and how that's playing out in, in where we see value in opportunities look you know there's no question that that, that higher commodity prices can sometimes drive higher um, expectations in terms of the, the you know the vendor of these opportunities um, you know as a as a royalty holder typically we're looking to take a long-term view of value so we'll be looking at how you know our, our view on how pricing is, is likely to, to uh, behave over the life of the mine as opposed to being driven by by where spot prices might be right right now. Okay, so, 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 so look, sorry. Yes, yeah, so it's like a typical, typical royalty company. You kind of immune to some of those uh, cost impacts, but it, there's a there's a kind of um, not volatility. Maybe it's the wrong word. If, but I'm just saying your share price over the last eight, 18 months, and it's it's it, it, there are waves. So what what are the things in the market that actually? And you're in a good run at the moment. So it's all, or since October last year, it's all good. But there are waves in terms of. Um, the way the market affects your your share price. So therefore, you know, some people would be forgiven for thinking, well, this is just a dividend play, right? So, how how do we can how do we how can you affect sort of sustains whether it be slow accretive growth or or, or not, and, and stop these sort of dips that occasionally you know hit the market? Yeah. So I mean, the, certainly, you know, the, 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 with our current portfolio, we are you know our major port our major asset is is driven by by iron ore pricing and production out of the Pilbara so you know our uh, it's not it's not unexpected to see our, our share price you know responding to movements in in iron ore pricing and particularly sort of expectation it's a multi-decade asset so it's about expectations about how prices are going to, to behave over that multi-decade life um, not having that uh, that operating margin exposure there's probably less direct leverage to price than you see in some of the operators. Um, but certainly, you know, we also have within our portfolio, we have some substantial organic growth as well. So we are seeing, and particularly um, since sort of mid last year, we've seen um, strong growth in, in volumes from our, our core asset as well through, you know, there's a, a, an expansion currently underway um, and that's driving organic growth. In terms of sort of the, the, the business model as well, and, you know, our objective, certainly, you know, we are, 
as I mentioned, very actively looking for opportunities to add to the portfolio. But as I said, you know, we will we will be very patient and disciplined about how we go about doing that. You know, we do have strong cash flow. We do have organic growth. We don't need to go out and, and make investments um, simply to deliver growth or, or cash flow. We'll, we'll make sure we're focused on value. Right. Okay. And um, so the, the reason I asked that question was it's in the context of like you've got a significant institutional following here and they, they usually are a little bit more conservative um, in terms of trading trading in and out. So you should expect them to keep, keep the share price a little bit more consistent and, and, and solid than they are. I mean... It, what, what what do you put it down? It can't, can't just be you know the commodity price. People are trading in and out of this. What would you say to shareholders and say in, in, in terms of you know delivering that kind of consistent, sustained um, revenue stream and you know your expectation of their behaviour? So we we certainly, as I said, we we offer the exposure and, and the way the portfolio is at the moment. We're offering exposure to primarily the the Pilbara iron ore production. But it's qualitatively different from what you can get in with exposure through uh, you know, a, an operator. And you know, to the extent that um, you know, investors at, at times will be looking for that greater operating leverage and, and at times they'll be looking for, for less of that. And I think that you know, certainly we offer less operating leverage. We offer you know, insulation from that, that operating margin. Um, so I think that certainly that, that's a factor. I think that you know, we have... We have a history of, of paying out dividends. So, you know, to date we've paid out 100% of our net profit after tax and that's fully franked for, for our investors that can use those franking credits. So we certainly are focused on providing our investors with a cash flow return um, as well as exposure to the, 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 the price. Right, and that's sort of circa 5% or slightly, slightly above 5%. So that, that's well, well above a sort of typical uh, royalty company dividend. So that, that, that's good news. Um, to, just to, before we move on to the, the, the portfolio itself, I just want to talk about, the, the, again, the strategy, sticking with what, you know, what's in the minds of the management team you, you, yourself. Um, we've seen a little bit of M&A activity in the marketplace. Yeah, I think most recently um, uh, we, you know, we, we, we saw the acquisition of Nomad Royalty and base core, the base core portfolio um, um, by Sandstorm and you know 1.1 billion bucks and that that kind of that kind of was a, was a new addition to the conversation um, for Sandstorm and you know it, it was a you know obviously a big chunk of change compared to their their market cap etc. Is that part of your potential strategy going forward or you know are you, are you focusing people on your multi-decade current assets and you know and, and that kind of organic growth and what are the options on the table for you yeah so certainly as you say we've seen a, a bit of consolidation um, over the past 12 months in, in the sector um, and you know I think you know th those options are always there for you know, for everybody I think in terms of where our focus really is it's on it's on finding really high quality um, operations and deposits that we can we can put in, you know, we can get an interest in through a, a royalty or a stream. And and what's probably more important for us is, you know, the, the quality of that that underlying asset than precisely how we how we get that exposure, whether it be through primary, secondary, or sort of an MA driven right. opportunity. We're, we're focused on finding good quality opportunities. Right. Okay. Custodians of your cash. Can we, let's let's get on to the portfolio then. So just let, if you don't mind, because there's not that many of them, um, what, what's the overall um, portfolio size? What are the ones that we should be looking at in terms of being materially advanced? Sure. So, you know, we have, we have um, six royalties currently in the portfolio. 
Um, three of them are producing. One is um, a royalty we hold over iron ore operation in the Pilbara, and I'll come back to that in a moment. And we have a couple of other producing ones which are over uh, mineral sands operations in the southwest of, of Australia here. Um, the By far and away, the most important asset is that mining area C royalty. It generates you know, more than 99% of our of our revenue. So to, to give you a, a sense of scale, in the nine months to March this year, um, yeah, it's generated about $150 million of, of revenue for us. Those, those are Australian dollars, clearly. Um, so it's a strong cash flow generating asset. You know, mining area C is one of um, BHP's sort of core hubs in the, the Pilbara iron ore operation. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's currently undergoing expansion through the, the opening up of the south flank um, of the South Lake mine and following which, you know, BHP has said they, they expected to get to a, a capacity of about 145 million tonnes a year. Just, just to put that in context, um, BHP is currently producing about 290 million tonnes of, of iron ore. Um, and uh, so effectively what we're looking at here is a, a royalty revenue that we hold of 1.232% of, of, of um, FOB revenue over what would be all else being equal about half of BHP's total iron ore production. Mining area C, once the South Flank expansion is complete, will be the largest iron ore hub in the world. Okay, that's number one, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so as I said, so that, I mean, it, that, so that, that generates more than sort of 99% yeah. of our revenue. Yeah. So we have two other much smaller um, opportunities, uh, sorry, assets that, that generate um, you know, in the they generate sort of in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in revenue. They are mineral sands operations. Um, they are coming towards the end of their their operational life, but both are looking at potential expansions or extensions rather of their, their operations. But um, so you know, very good to have the assets in the portfolio. They give us additional cash flow, but um, at, at present, certainly the, the the key asset is that mining area C royalty. Right. Okay. But um, let, let's talk about the potential there, because um, otherwise, this is a you, know, you don't want it to become a one trick pony. You're not setting this up just to no. you know because of BHP. So with with the, with the two which are kind of maybe looking to extend life of mine, um, would that just be more of the same, or would that be a significant contribution um, from from them, or? It, an increased contribution from them. What's, what's that look like going forward? Look, I, I would imagine it would be it would be similar. So we're not right. looking at that substantial growth from those. We have a, a couple of other assets that are not producing. You know, the, the nature of, of royalties is you never quite know if or when they, they will come into production. Often, but uh, look in terms of uh, you know in terms of the the portfolio going forward. Certainly, as you say, I think you know we are very focused on building out that portfolio and introducing other sources of, of earnings and other sources of growth. Um, and that's really where that, that additional business development investment comes in. Right. We have organic growth through Mac, but the, the future growth will really be driven by us bringing new assets into the portfolio. Right. So of, of the, the three non-producing current assets that you've got in the portfolio, do they have dual reports or I think just for North American audience, like the equivalent of 43101s on them? How, how advanced are um, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, no, I think that that, that sort of uh, 
too early stage for for that level. So, you know, to, as I said, they 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 are options in the sense that you never quite know what's going to happen. But certainly, you know, they are not. Um, we don't see them as as you know being huge drivers of value at this point. And, and, and in the short term, short to medium term, okay. In the short term, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's um, and are they the, all of these are within private um, public companies? I should say, are they? I uh, uh, yes. So so um, yeah yeah. Okay, so we we can we can sort of understand, and I, I couldn't. Um, so, is there a list of 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 the the those three companies? Uh, sorry, those three non-producing assets. What where are they, who are they with? Uh, so they they so there's a um, uh, so certainly we provide the details on our website and in our, okay. our sort of public materials. So essentially, they're with um, the, they're with sort of three well-known. Um, the mineral sands operators. Oh, mineral sands. All right. Obviously, because I like being there. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, okay, so I, I guess the 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 importance of um, well, actually, let's go to finances, and we'll, we'll come back to new, new biz and so development in, in a second. So, um, your you give back one hundred percent of net profit to your, your shareholders, and obviously, this, that's very. Um, highly leveraged to the price of iron ore at the moment, which I think things are good at the moment. What, what have you kind of given guidance as to what you think the market's going to be doing in terms of um, iron ore prices going forward? Uh, no, look, I mean everybody everybody has their own view on, on, on where that um, where iron ore prices are, are likely to head. Um, you know, we provide, as you say, um, uh, exposure to that, um, as well as exposure to the production and sales volumes coming out of mining areas. See. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so, can we just to spend a little bit of time in terms of the organic growth? You, you've said that it's you. You know, you've looked at lots of stuff, but it's kind of hard to get over the line. You don't want to overpay. No, no, no one does. Um, I assume the strategy would be to stick with uh, non-precious, of which you know it's what it, I think you put in your um, PowerPoint. It's like twenty-nine percent of of royalty public royalty companies are non-precious. So. D- does that mean that the competition is less or that other companies are prepared to pay more than you or actually there's not a lot of optionality out there in terms of um, assets that are of a meaningful size for you to bid on? I mean, what, what are things holding you back on the organic? Um, so I think that, you know, as, as you say, the, 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 the precious space certainly has more players Um There are more opportunities, but there's more people chasing those opportunities. We feel that outside of precious, there are there are fewer people pursuing those opportunities, albeit it's a slightly smaller set. But the, the ratio is a little more favourable. Um, I, I, I think that um, you know, and that that shifts as well. That you know, there, there are a number of companies who are purely precious focused. There are some who are looking for primarily precious focus, but will still look at opportunities outside of precious. So it's always a little bit of a, a moving a moving target in terms of who's active in the space at any time. But certainly, from our perspective, um, you know, we we recognise that we certainly have a a strong basis in in bulks in in iron ore, so it, it makes sense to to build off that. So our, our focus is on other bulks, on on some of the battery metals, and certainly on some of the base metals, where we think that there is perhaps you know a significant number of opportunities. You know, there's a significant sort of capital capital requirement coming up to 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 be invested to deliver. You know, supply into some of the the forecast growth that we're hearing about in some of these in some of these metals, um, which is a, a a good opportunity for companies like us. Yeah, I was, was going to ask about the um, would you be sticking with bulks or are there some some of these battery metal uh, royalty companies coming out which seem to be 
you know, not a lot of competition, but a, a heck of a lot of interest. And with com- commodity prices moving, they, they might become attractive, even if it wasn't in a, in a bulk context, or are you going to just stick with bulk? No, we would certainly move out. We'd, yeah, we'd certainly look at, at base and, and, and battery metals. I think, you know, we... Um, when, when we think about those opportunities, as I said, there's probably a few key criteria that we we, we look at, and one which is, you know, as we spoke about, was really about understanding of the the deposit of the geology and, and what the prospectivity of of, of a, an operation was um, for for longevity and, and expansion. Um, the other also is, you know, we we need to be conscious that the the interest we're taking in these when we invest is is different to if we were an operator. So we're not in we're not um, operating the the the, the mine, so we need to get comfortable with the operator. Um, we're not, um, you know, we need to, we, we want to know that the commodity itself has um, good solid fundamentals, as you'd expect it. You know, everybody does wants to be sure that the supply demand fundamentals are, are solid. And also that, you know, there's a relatively mature and transparent end market for the commodity so that we have a, a clear basis for establishing how, um, you know, how we get paid, you know, how, how that, that royalty will be determined. Right, and, and given, given your knowledge, I've got to ask this question with regards to um, coal, um, Met Coal specifically. Um, I mean, a lot of producers are throwing off a lot of cash. They're, they're, they're making good margins at the moment. Is, is that a kind of no-no in the royalty space at the moment? I think I think we've got a royalty company in the UK which t- does have exposure to that. But are you would you be ex- ex- would you be allowed to if you wanted to look at the coal Met Coal market? We certainly, I think, we've been quite clear from from day one that um, we, you know, we wouldn't be pursuing coal opportunities. Um, that that's a combination of, of um, through ESG concerns and just concerns about how how that might be um, uh, reflected in in how people view us as an investment, um, as well as frankly, you know, longer term value concerns as well. And you know, take the point that there's cash being generated at the moment, but as I said, we we look to to, to take a longer term view on, you know, we're anticipating a, a long term exposure to the assets as well. So right, okay, and with the cost of jurisdictional exposure, what's your view? So look, we're we're um, obviously based here in, in Australia. We that's our that's our backyard, so it's a natural area of focus for us. We also think that it's it's an area that perhaps has been not as well served by by royalty and streaming financing as, as other parts of the world. So that that's a natural area of focus for us. But yeah, you know, we we do have a broader mandate as well. We certainly look at opportunities globally. Our our strong preference is for for well established mining jurisdictions. So. Um, in particular, North America, South America, Europe are, are quite um, are, are areas of interest for us, um, and and so we we certainly have and will continue to look at at, at um, opportunities outside of Australia. Right, and and just so coming back to my comment earlier with regards to obviously the 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 importance of, of BHP, but um and and, and the fact that it it ninety nine percent of the revenue coming from that single asset risk. We have seen instances around the world where you know big operations you know have come into difficulties. Is there an urgency um, for you if if you feel that organic or the organic growth could, could be there, but for whatever reason something goes wrong, that you need to get a deal done quicker? And if you can't get a deal done in terms of uh, acquisition, uh, so uh, you know find, finding a project that works for you. Would you consider M and A in terms of taking over other world's companies? Just to get, just going to de-risk that 
single risk exposure or single jurisdiction exposure? Yeah, I, th- I think you know we, we look at, at at it not as a uh, you know we we certainly don't feel that there's a an urgency around the around the need to 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 sort of introduce other assets into the portfolio. We see it as an opportunity. We see Mac as you know it's a world class asset, and we see it as a great foundation to build build upon. Um, so we're certainly looking to do that. I think that. Yeah, your, your question about um, yeah, would we look at M and A opportunities? Well, certainly we would. I think you know, at, you know, we we would look at at as I mentioned earlier, a whole range of, of ways to identify those opportunities. Whether that's writing new instruments, whether it's buying existing instruments, or whether it's actually through the M and A field. So we'd certainly be looking across all three of those. Um, as I said, you know, at the end of the day, that the decision will always come down to how well does the asset sit within the portfolio. Is it going to generate value, um, and uh, you know that that'll be our focus. Right. Okay. So how, how do how do I know it's, it's predominantly uh, institutional um, uh, share register for you guys? But if for, for for retail or family offices looking at this thing, I mean, is is this a just a good solid uh, dividend paying story, or do you think that you can actually start moving the dial when it comes to the, the the share price as well. Yeah, so we're certainly, you know, as we as we sit at the moment, as as you point out, we you know we we do have a good solid dividend payment history, um, and that was part of the rationale for the creation of the company was to give to give uh, our shareholders you know clear line of sight to the cash that was being generated by the, the mining area C royalty. But you know the the other side of the business model is, is exactly as you said, it's it's to it's to generate growth as well to build upon that um, and in doing so we'd certainly hope that we can we can deliver additional value to shareholders right and for now Aluka's holding on uh, to their position they don't, they don't need cash do they uh, they they uh, they retain 20 percent um, on demerger and um, that that's uh, so they're our, our major shareholder at present yes brilliant okay well Julian like, I, pre- I appreciate the run through I guess I mean, actually one last question one last question is right Compared, you, you said that you're different from other royalty companies. So, in, in that sense, you know, why are you a better bet than some of the other royalty companies out there? Well, we, we're, we're different in in a number of ways, and you know, we, we've I think touched on on all of them. And we're different in our, you know, we're based here in Australia, so we provide royalty exposure through ASX, which is is not uh, yeah, it's a new investment opportunity for for investors on ASX. We're different in the sense that um, we provide that exposure to, to to bulks in a way that perhaps there aren't other um, opportunities that that people can invest in bulks through royalties at scale, um, and and we're different as well in that we are you know we we do pay out a a strong dividend. We have a history of paying out one hundred percent of net profit after tax, which again I think is is quite an important point of differentiation with with some of the other players in the space. Right. Okay. And do, you, and do you think at the moment that the, the multiples that royalty companies are attracting are fair and reasonable? Because there, there's such there's such a difference. If our analysis certainly some of the North American um, precious metals, and maybe that doesn't apply to you. But um, do, do you feel it's a kind of fair reality of the the investment um, return expected for some of these companies? I think, as you say, there's a number of factors that that, that go into that. Whether that's um, you know the, the commodity exposure that's provided, you know the level of leverage they provide, the the sort of the the nature of, of portfolios, the, the the history of the individual companies themselves. I think they're all factors um, that go into you know how the market is, is going to view a business. So certainly, from our perspective, you know we're very focused on um, on uh, 
taking good care of the assets we have, um, helping the, the, the market understand the value of those assets um, and, and look to, to continue to add to it to, to, to grow a broader business on what we think is a really solid foundation. I guess one advantage for you is that you've got a few moving parts. I mean, compared to some of these writing companies with 120 different assets, um, retail family office, and quite frankly, brokers um, struggle to make the time to work out whether it, whether it is a sort of fair and reasonable multiple that they're, they're, that are being applied to all of the assets. You don't necessarily have that problem. So in some ways, a nice, nice simple proposition. Uh, well, look, Julian, um, thank you very much for your time today. It's great to hear, um, this story. Uh, really interesting what you're, what you're, um, laying out there. And, uh, we hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity.